Hello and welcome to the Man Intelligent Podcast. This is the show for guys, all about guys. Have you ever struggled with feeling behind the curve in basic man intelligence? Well, that is exactly what we're going to be helping you with. On this week's show, we will be continuing our series on how to be a master home mixologist. Last week, we went over the basic tools and ingredients you need to set up a fully functional bar setup. And this week, we're going to talk about some techniques, presentation, and the classic cocktail recipes you can make with just a few ingredients. Let's get started. All right, so we are back. Uh, my name is Johnny Marvin, and I am with my illustrious co-host, Mr. Reed Primetime Fisher. Welcome back. Feels good. Does feel good. And of course, uh, we got so much great feedback last week from the show and our guests that we had, so we had to bring him back. Uh, Mr. Andy Solomon, thank you for joining us again on our show. Thank you. I'm glad my grandparents could light up Twitter and uh, say how good I did. <laughs> they are very active on Twitter. Yeah, so much. just kind of jumping right in. So last week we talked about some of the some of the equipment, some of the kind of bar essentials in terms of alcohol. And now we're going to kind of take the next step in kind of learning what do we do with each one of those things and how do we take just the equipment and, and tools and, and turn them into amazing uh, home drinks. So the first thing we want to talk about today are some of the techniques. So last last week we talked about uh, the different types of shakers. So do you want to kind of talk to us about what type of shaker do you use, and is there any differences between them and, and kind of what their functionality is? Yeah, so last week we were talking about uh, a couple of different shakers, the cobbler shaker and the Boston shaker. Um, I ended up realizing that when I said Boston Shaker in my head, what I was calling a Boston Shaker is typically what you see um, your bars use where it's um, two metal cups that sure. they're using to mix it up. But um, I believe the original Boston Shaker is going to be using a pint glass on yep. it as opposed to the two metal cups. Interesting. Um, so... <laughs> Excuse my terminology. I actually don't even know what the two metal cups uh, together would be called. Uh, if it's not a Boston shaker, I've just always called it a Boston shaker. I think Reed might know. Well, uh, I'm glad you guys asked. It is a 12-8. Uh, so you have a 12-ounce to 8-ounce glass. That Obviously, the 8-ounce fits in the middle or inside of the 12-ounce. And uh, they would refer to it as a 12-8-10-10. Or a 10-6-10-10. And that's not the number 10. That 10 is the metal. would be T-I-N-T-I-N. So, yeah, uh, that's that's essentially what we would all think. And the reason why you'd want the 10 versus the glass is the 10's pliable and it conducts uh, coldness. coldness better. Interesting. So so now we have our shaker, and it doesn't really matter. At some level, once you have a shaker, you have a shaker. So it's not necessary to get all hung up on, on each one. Find one that really works for you. But now that we have we have our shaker, let's talk about the difference between shaking something and stirring something. Because there's certain cocktails that you're always going to want to shake, and there's certain cocktails that you never want to shake. So why why is there a difference between those? So they they both do totally different things. So typically with a um, a stirred cocktail, you're going to be using spirits only. Uh, typically when you use when you shake something, you're going to have uh, dairy in it. You'll have a juice in it. You could uh, anything with citrus. You'll want to shake. Okay. Um, and typically anything with um, 
eggs, like eggs would, would be it. So it's usually to, to control the consistency. Okay. Um, so shaking it, if you're using something like egg or dairy, it would be much more frothy. Um, if you're using something like a citrus, it will help with the smoothness and the consistency. Um, so it just gives it a, a much more, uh, it gives it a lot more um, lightness to the finish. Um, I will say that the process of it is because it's adding oxygen. And that's typically why you're not going to shake spirit only drinks is because of the the reaction of the oxygen to the spirit itself. Okay, and is is that the same thing as bruising the alcohol? Yes. So 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 bruising when you hear bruising alcohol, you you it's a lot like uh, it's not like you would think bruising a fruit, for example. It doesn't damage the alcohol. Uh, what it does is it just makes it sharper. So the oxygen mixes with something in the alcohol. I forget what it's called, um, but it mixes with it. And you can you can do this yourself. You can stir a martini and shake a martini. Just do the vodka, skip the vermouth, and just try the vodka and and taste the the difference between it. And you'll notice that the that the uh, shaken one is going to be significantly sharper. And so. Uh, bruising, I guess, is is typically what you would what what it's called, but it's it's not damaging it like okay. you would think bruising like a fruit or a vegetable would bruise. So is it? It's just it, when you say introducing air, it's it's air bubbles, right? Because you're shaking it, and that's what gives it the. You talked about that sharpness. It gives it that. It's a. It's almost a totally different taste. Cor- correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, so so something else to add to that. Typically, when you're shaking something, it's going to add a lot more water to your uh, cocktail. So most recipes that you look at, uh, if you jump online or anything, they should, if they're making their recipe correctly, account for water to be added during the cocktail making process. So if you're looking at a recipe that says add two ounces of alcohol for blah, 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 and let's say the entire recipe calls for three and a half ounces worth of alcohol, juice, whatever, uh, simple syrup. However, your drink might be four ounces or four and a half ounces or five ounces because they have to account for that water um, process to, or, or the melting process to happen. So the bigger cube that you use in a shaker, the sl- or the less water you will have. The bigger cubes in a stir, the less water you will have. So the, uh, the, the contrast of that is, is the bigger cubes you use, it won't be as cold. So it's, it's a complete trade-off. Do okay. you want it to be really cold or do you want it to have less water? And so by stirring it, you can control the water a, a lot more. So, so uh, typically, again, with your with your shaken drinks, you're going to get significantly uh, more melting than you would have with a stirred drink. So, what is the? Uh, give us a couple of examples of drinks that you might shake and a drink that you might stir. And, and then, t- secondly to that, so you said talked about the ice being important. And last week we talked about I think it was called a Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lewis I, bag. Lewis, Lewis bag. Do you order and so, one? Uh, I did. Did you really? I did. <laughs> okay, so, and, and what that does is basically makes sonic ice. It makes really, really small ice. Is that the type of ice that you would use? And then, and then go into kind of which drinks, just that would be common drinks that somebody would know. Hey, this is a shaken. This is a stirred. So my answer to that would be maybe. Uh, to, to touch on the Lewis bag again, a, a good a good benefit to the Lewis bag is you can also control the consistency of your ice. So there are times where using sonic ice or uh, ice that's crushed from your refrigerator is not going to be fine enough. So for example, um, if I'm making a, 
uh, even I, I usually don't do this for a martini, but something like a Cosmo, I might want to finish it off with a tiny bit of ice shavings on the top of, of it when I serve it. Um, a Lewis bag is going to be perfect for that. I can knock just the tiny shavings where it's not enough to be ice, but it's enough to make it super cold and gotcha. give it a very good uh, look to it as well, where it almost looks like, um, you know, if you're looking at a, uh, in Alaska on the surface of a glacier and you see just a tiny bit of ice floating yeah. on the surface, it kind of gives, gives it that look. So it's a really cool, cool appearance as well as it being colder. Um, but if I'm stirring it, I typically want to use uh, bigger ice, but again, it's all dependent on the cocktail. Um, and, uh, and, and when I say that, it doesn't really matter because you can stir something for longer and it will get just as cold and um, it will melt just as much. It all just depends on how long you leave it in there. But, but the, the trade-off to using bigger ice is that it's not gonna be as cold of a cocktail versus the trade-off of having very, very fine ice is you're going to get more dilution in your cocktail. So you just have to, to it's trial and error. You'll learn what works for what cocktail and how you're, how you're mixing it. It's one of those things where I can't talk to you about it necessarily, but just know that bigger cocktail or bigger ice means a slightly warmer cocktail with with less dilution and smaller ice is a colder cocktail and this is just mixing this is even if you right. serve it neat um, but a colder cocktail with more um melting okay. or more dilution so one one thing just to kind of like narrow it down would it be safe to say that a shaken drink is going to be things that are going to be cloudier in nature and a stirred drink is going to be something that's going to be uh more trans transparent Typically, yes. If you have dirty martinis, no. But but yes. Tip, typically, yes. Again, if, if you go if you go based based on the um, rule of citrus, juice, egg, and dairy, that shakes. And if it's spirits only, stir. You'll you got you'll it down. be right ninety nine percent of the time. So two questions I have to that. What about something like a uh, vodka tonic, which might have some a squeeze of lime juice or something? That's a spirit only drink. Yeah, you, you would. You, I would not shake a, a vodka tonic because you're just putting in vodka and you're squirting a lime. That's, that's okay. Th- yes, that, that, that's more of just like a. That would be in my eyes like using a bitter, for example. Okay. Like it's just something that doesn't necessarily need to be mixed really well. Um, it can just be put in there. Plus, you're serving a vodka tonic with a straw, and. They can stir it themselves, and a lot of times you might not even squirt the lime in there. You'll just put the lime on the side and let them do it to their own taste. A, a, use that as your garnish, and they can use it, or just float it in there, or with the toothpick, and they can use it based on their own taste. Some people like lime in it, and some people don't. So, what about uh, mixing glass? So, one of the things that, after hanging out with Reed um, and kind of seeing how he does cocktails, I used to mix in the tin shaker. Sure. So what is, is there a difference between that and like a heavy glass mixing glass? Yes. Uh, again, it's, it's ba- so the exact same reason why what we were talking about with the shaker and using a pint glass or using a cocktail tin, things like that will, will create an effect. Um, I don't really care that much. It's not nearly as pretty and fancy to use a mixing glass, and Big Money Reed is going to use a, a mixing glass. Very big money. <laughs> but if, and it's decorative. Also my name in if, high school. If you're just making it for, say, a couple of y'all and presentation while you're making it is really not that important. If it's a mixed drink, I would I would argue that the taste difference between the two is going to be negligible to where you wouldn't even notice it. 
Because at the end of the day, you're trying to do what we're the concept here is 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 find something as simplistic as possible to sure. put together. So yeah, the one would argue a a the benefits of a actual stirring glass with the ability to pour out of it and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's not going to make you a better or worse mixologist. Right. If you have two, if you have an ounce of lime juice, a half an ounce of simple syrup, a half an ounce of grapefruit juice, I mean, you're starting to get to the point to where are you really going to notice those fine differences? Now, temperature and the ice, I would say, is is much more important in terms of um, the actual feel and taste of the of the cocktail versus what you mix it in. So you can you can take your rocks glass and you can stir it Correct. in that. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, okay, what about, one of the things that we also talked about last week was a muddler, which looks like a tiny Louisville slugger baseball bat. Sure. It's mortar uh, and pestle without the pestle? pestle? I don't know. First of all, I'm really <laughs> looking the, forward the to the intelligent uh, podcast when we go over baseball, because is a Louisville slugger? <laughs> That's what I said. Louisville. Uh, unfortunately, this is recorded, so you're going to find out that I was wrong, but um, okay, <laughs> so, so a muddler... Um, what are some of the uses that – why would I need a muddler? It's basically like you would use a mortar and pestle. Uh, a mortar and pestle. Uh, just you can use it in your cup. You can use it in your shaker tin. Um, you could use it in a – well, you really wouldn't have to use it in a, in a mixing um, glass that much because you're typically going to be shaking most things that you muddle anyways. Um, but it's like if you're muddling up cherries or oranges um, – you can muddle lemons. Uh, I do that a lot of times with whiskey smashes. Instead of squeezing lemons, I muddle them and just leave everything in there, seeds okay. and all, uh, in it just for a quick down and dirty uh, whiskey sour. I like to do that or whiskey smash sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's it's basically just to just to typically mix up your fruits or mash your fruits. And it has like so he did describe it as a Louisville slugger, um, but it's going to have. Um, like a serrated end to it that's flat. So I say serrated, but it almost has teeth on the bottom uh-huh. of it to mash it and be able to break through rinds like lemons and limes if you have to, oranges. So when you're doing a citrus fruit, obviously the the inside of it is going to be sweet, maybe a little bit sour. There's going to be a bitterness to the rind. Correct. So when you're, when you're doing your whiskey smash or something like that, are you muddling the rind as well i do yeah yeah so so you i, I guess it's personal preference um for for that particular cocktail uh, i literally cut a lemon in half um put it down face down muddle the crap out of it uh rind and all um it's going to have a very different flavor than if you were just going to put um lemon juice in there yeah. i'll add your bourbon a tiny bit of simple syrup i don't usually add that much because of the sweetness of the lemon and load it up with um, uh, crushed ice on the top to kind of mound it. And that's typically when I pour my bourbon in. So I don't even mix it um, in, a, in a drink or anything first. So, so th- there are rules to things, but you can, also, um, you can also try different things to just see how it works. I'm sorry, I also put um, a little bit of honey in those as well. So um, it, it, you can, you, so I, I guess it's a, it, I don't like to make hard rules of you should never muddle a rind because of this is what it does to the flavor. Sure. Um, like for example, I don't muddle cucumbers ever because I think the cucumber taste is so strong that I don't want to muddle it. 
Uh, however, lots of people muddle cucumbers. I prefer to put my cucumber in a shaker and just shake it, and I feel like that gives me more than enough cucumber Because at some, some level, you're still getting it, – it's still releasing some of the flavors. Oh, when you, especially when you shake. if you're Something shaking soft, the heck like out of it. Cucumbers, yeah. yeah, with ice in it is, is absolutely going to release the flavor, and you'll yeah. still get seeds in your in your drink if you don't use the right strainer. So, um, But, but it, it's very much personal preference. So, so I, I would challenge all of your listeners to try it both ways. Try a, try a uh, whiskey sour with the rind in. Try a whiskey sour with only lemon juice and see what the difference is. So take just the juice from half, half a lemon in a squeezer, take the juice uh, and muddle it uh, at the bottom, do everything else the same, exact same amount of ice, exact same amount of uh, simple syrup, exact same amount of bourbon, and see what taste difference you have side by side. Make them side by side, give the one you don't like to your spouse or the one you like to your spouse, depending <laughs> on whichever one it is or your buddy. Um, but taste it and, and taste the two differences and see which one you like. You might be surprised to find out that you that I, I, there's there's a reason that bitter and tart drinks are also enjoyable by people. Yeah. So um, try it. Uh, I would say try it both ways because you might be surprised on on what rule of thumb might say and what you actually what might your like. personal preference is. Because if you could if you go to uh, go to a bar and say you want a Dosecchi stressed. That's going to be different than just getting a Dos because you like it with a little bit of salt on the rim. So, right. yeah, you just have a personal preference. I imagine you could also tell the bartender if you're at a nice bar and say, hey, make sure you throw the rind in there because that's what you like versus just them pouring lemon juice. And right. now you're more of an educated sure. consumer. And you're building the drink that you're wanting to pay $15 for versus, like, I wish you would have thrown in the rind Well, in there. And, right. and keep in mind those rinds have a, a – that's essentially where all your essential oil – I shouldn't say essentially where all your essential oil is, but that is effectively where all of your essential oil is as well in those fruits or in the rinds. So if you like a strong flavor of that versus zesting it or something of that yep. nature – you're going to get a lot of the oils expressed during that process as well. So it might have a, a flavor that you prefer because of it. So, uh, and you, you mentioned at one point uh, about if you have a certain type of strainer. So there, I know there's a couple, there's a julep strainer. There's a, a the one that has, a, I don't know if it's just called a bar strainer, but the one that has the springs on it. Sure. Um, do you need both or do they kind of do the same thing? So they do different things. Um, I, I would say you, yes, you need both. They're, it's a very inexpensive product. Now, now the spring shaker or the spring strainer, I would, I would not have on its own. Uh, I believe a julep strainer is just as effective as that. Uh, however, I like to use a spring strainer with a fine mesh strainer for if you're trying to filter out very fine particles, like like uh, say you have. Um, like I mentioned, cucumbers. Uh, that cucumber, those cucumber rinds are going to get through a yeah, julep like strainer. like the pulp. They, yes, they would yep. get through a julep strainer, and they would get through your spring strainer. I'm sure there's an official name that we'll have to correct next week. Yeah. Whatever the spring strainer is, yeah. or I would call it a large strainer. But then your fine mesh will catch all of that pulp or, or something of, of cucumber if you don't want seeds or, or you're trying to make a crystal clear-looking cocktail. Um, so if you're... Uh, you would pour it through your fine, your your large spring strainer over your mesh strainer into your glass or your your glass that you're serving. Julep, on the other hand, is more universally used. Um, I would just call that a improvement. So when we talk about the cobbler shaker, and again for for the easy math, the cobbler shaker is the one that has the strainer on the top with a little shot glass looking thing, all metal. Um, a julep strainer is a step up from that. 
so it's a little bit finer or, or uh, less gauge holes, uh, larger gauge holes. Yeah. Uh, so larger gauge holes, so it's not going to allow as much to go through. It's also not going to clog, and you can control your flow on how you're filtering through the julep strainer. Yeah, ju- uh, interestingly enough, if anybody cares why it's called a julep, I'd does love anybody to know, know why I it's would. called no, a julep? Please. So uh, it's called a julep strainer. That's what they used to give the men uh, when they were drinking their mint juleps. So you'd have your metal glass with your ice on it. And that's what they would use to hold up while they're drinking their air so that they don't get mint and ice on their beards. Brilliant. And, and so smart. Wow. Yeah. This is beyond man intelligent. This is just, <laughs> I'm going to look intelligent. I know. I feel like I just grew a bigger beard just yes. listening to I'm how glad manly one that of us would be. Can grow a beard, <laughs> yeah. So okay. Is there any other techniques as we get started into, you know, what, what are some of the most basic cocktails that everyone? should know how to make is there any techniques any other techniques that we need to know about so martini shaken and stirred the big the big controversy um it used to be shaken not stirred with With james bond james bond now i will give james bond the benefit of the doubt as smart as he was he probably wanted more dilution so he wasn't as boozy when he's about to fight people obviously yeah so he would shake it and get more (laughs) dilution so it's a weaker cocktail but yeah you should be stirring that cocktail um Something like a Manhattan, you always so, so just to again just to I guess recap on that. The reason that you want to want to stir and not shake is if you take a man, do this at home. If you if you don't believe me, do it at home. Go grab yourself to, to make a Manhattan. You take your two ounces of um, I usually use a rye, but you could just use any type of bourbon. Take your one ounce of sweet vermouth or your red vermouth. Um, put your bitters in. Uh, so two usually two dashes of Angostura, one dash of orange and then shake it and it's going to look like a river it's going to be mm. frothy and gross looking super cloudy correct yeah. whereas if you st- so so the the if you have a, a a a moderate palate you might be able to taste the difference you you still should be able to taste that difference especially on the the consistency you'll absolutely taste the consistency yeah. difference but in terms of just taste it's going to taste a little bit sharper, if you, which you don't want in a Manhattan if you were to shake it. But it's going to look disgusting, to be completely honest. But However, if you stir it, it's a beautiful, rich red, like yeah. mahogany. So the also that uh, it has that like velvety taste that you're looking for. Correct. Versus uh, you talk about that sharpness. I think I think it's cool. Just just the science behind making cocktails is making one shaken and stirred, and you'll almost appreciate the science yeah. behind it to see like, wow, there's a substantial difference here. Right. So, okay, so the next thing that we wanna talk about is garnishing drinks. So you've done all this work, you've gotten all this material, all these this pieces of equipment, you have all this liquor, you've spent time researching a recipe, whether it's a Manhattan or whether whatever it is, You've used the right equipment. You've shaken or stirred it based on the rules that we went over. Right. You've poured it into the glass, and we've already talked about certain glasses or certain. So you are you are almost to the finish line here. You are almost about to impress every single guest or your spouse that you have. But wait. But there's something else that what? if you go to a a really nice bar, they're gonna garnish it, and each drink is gonna be garnished a little bit different. So let's let's talk about. Is that is that one hundred percent just for aesthetic value, or is there certain other aspects to it? And and to me, garnishing is not only um, like putting an olive in a martini, 
it's you know squeezing out uh, like a lemon or rubbing the rim or something like that, or or even like smoking a glass. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, I know Reed's our resident smoker on the cocktails. I, I have never actually even smoked a cocktail. I've never never gotten into it. Didn't it's really care fantastic. for it. I, I, um, I've had them plenty of times, um, and I am not the biggest fan, as, as odd as that might sound, but that's, again, personal preference. Um, typically, so the answer is mixed, yes and no. Sometimes, yes, they are there for decoration only. There, there is also a reason that they're always edible. So uh, a Manhattan's a perfect example. Um, you'll usually see a cherry in a Manhattan, but what type of cherry? Most cherries that you're using in cocktails that you'll see are maraschino cherries. Um, but for a Manhattan, you'll want to use a brandied cherry, which is like a black cherry. Like a Luxardo. Exactly. So that one is going to taste uh, different. Uh, it's not going to be as, uh, well, so, so they'll, just like a olive would, it's going to also absorb the alcohol. People love that. Um, other people leave the olives in there and never touch them. And so in those instances, uh, outside of a little bit of the flavoring, then it pretty much was decoration. But uh, if you just take like a, a orange uh, zest on top or a lemon zest on top of a cocktail, that's absolutely going to release a flavor in it as well. as uh, Not just that, because it's floating on the surface, you're going to get a significant aroma difference yeah. whenever you get it. So it's it's amazing how it could, it's kind of like what we were talking about last week with the, with the glassware. Um, you could get a, I mean, if, if I have a $100 uh, bottle of whiskey in a coffee mug, it's going to be a lot different experience than a $100 a bottle of whiskey in a in a tumbler or rocks glass so um it, it very much makes a difference there in particular with cocktails okay um and what are some some common way so whenever i've been to different uh nice bars now they're doing the dehydrated uh like lemons yeah. that seems to be like a really big deal is there any easier yeah, I mean, it, in terms of once they're made. Yeah, because you just throw it in or yeah. you, you cut it and put it on the side. Is there any culinary reason with something like that, or or does that now become 100%? Because I, I can't imagine those are really edible. Right. I mean, they don't look edible. No, they look horrible. Yeah, they do. They, it looks like they messed up yeah. and they threw like a dirty it's old bad lemon. One. Yeah. So is there a – is that aesthetic, or is there something that is – primarily aesthetic they still okay. do have some sense uh sense to it as well just like if uh god do you remember the old potpourri that your grandparents oh, used yeah. to have yeah we probably have in our bathrooms here same <laughs> yeah. type, same types of things so granted some of those were like chips but they'll also put like dried herbs and vegetables or fruits yeah. in there or, or uh, herbs and fruits in there so it's going to have that same type of fragrance so it will be very fragrant so it is not for appearance only they're typically they typically can be more fragrant than a a fresh one but you're not going to get the oil um i, I prefer the fresh it's uh, number one you can do a lot more things with it um in terms of how you carve it and and place it on your cup um but two it allows you like you mentioned if you put a a wedge even something as simple as a wedge on the edge of a glass and it's a simple little cut with a knife. You drop it right there as a as a lemon wedge, or a lime wedge, or a, a grapefruit wedge, or whatever. They could eat it. They could express it into the drink. They can customize the drink more to their flavor. Your flavor, your your palate, and your guests' palate is not always going to be the same. Also, so it allows them to 
modify your drink, which is likely, if you're doing it right, going to be on the more alcohol heavy side or alcohol forward side. If you have the right friends. If you have the right friends. <laughs> so what are some common, so the difference between lemon, lime, and orange, because obviously a lot of the drinks that m- most people like, there, there is a citrus element to it. Even even like on a on an old fashioned, you're going to typically have an orange, uh, you know, orange peel or something that's Correct. in it. Correct. Is there any hard and fast rules on why an orange peel, why not a lemon peel or, or a lime peel? Well, so on... Uh, n- Yes and no. So on a on an old fashioned, that's just traditionally what it is. I mean, there's there are some people who will muddle oranges in their old fashions. They'll muddle uh, maraschino cherries in their old fashions. You could do that. I'm not a, a huge fan, but if you but some people will do that in lieu of say adding simple syrup, um, just because they prefer the natural sweetness. Uh, they might go a little bit less on the bitters or something of that nature. Sure. But typically, orange is just going to be your traditional what you use for a garnish for an old-fashioned, but there is no hard and heavy rule. You could easily use the orange twist and put a maraschino cherry in there, even though there's no maraschino cherry in the um, cocktail itself. Uh, a lot of times when you have mixed drinks, now now that's kind of a, the old-fashioned is, a, is you could put a lemon in there also. Uh, it's just about what type of fragrance you typically want uh, expressed. So I typically drop my orange peel in it and I will express the oil before I put it in there. Same thing with a Sazerac like we made last week. Yep. Uh, I think I, yeah, I think I used a uh, orange for that you as did. well. Um, so I typically will express the oil and then, then put them in there. Uh, that again is, is based on what, what you want from it. Now you can get more of a flavor, orange flavor if you do have that and it's a minute flavor. Um, but typically when you're making, so that's, that's a alcohol heavy cocktail, no mixer really in a, in a old fashioned. So if I'm using something that had like a mojito, that's a very simple one. You could either use lime or you could use mint, something that's in the, I, I often like to use something that's already in the ingredient mm-hmm. and especially on a mojito, I might do a wedge because I want, again, them to be able to flavor it, how the, my guests to flavor it, how they want. Uh, the mint would be there just for the fragrance. Uh, same thing with the mint julep. You have, you're having tons of mint in the product itself, this, the cocktail itself, but you always put a sprig and you whack it on your wrist or you whack it on your hand so that when they're drinking it, they smell that mint and that's the job of that, that garnish. Is It's not necessarily for flavor, but for appearance and the smell. So um, you can't discount what a smell on a rim or on the top of a cocktail will be able to do for the actual experience itself. Um, but I, I, uh, typically on mixed drinks, like something that you would shake, uh, I, would, I always try to stick to a ingredient that's in that cocktail already. Uh, but you can't really ever go wrong with the lime. You rarely can go wrong with the mint. Um, things like uh, those you should always have in your arsenal. There's no reason Unless you're, even if you're in an apartment, you have a pot outside, you should always have fresh spearmint, not peppermint, spearmint, always. Yeah, I just went to Home Depot a week and a half ago and picked myself up some spearmint, and it's funny because when I was there, it showed you can buy peppermint uh, plant or spearmint. Peppermint's great for tea. I'm sitting there and I'm like, huh, what (laughs) do I buy? And yeah, you want spearmint for 
for a drink, for cocktails. If you make a peppermint mojito or a peppermint um, mint julep, it's not going to be good. But spearmint's going to be the one that you want. For $2.99, that thing will spread like a weed in your yard. Uh, You can grab peppermint, too. Just keep it separate and use that. I use that in my tea all the time. Very cool. So um, what about uh, salting or sugaring a rim? So, like, if I'm, you know, ordering, a obviously, a margarita is is the easiest one with a salted rim. But there are a couple, like a Cosmopolitan or something like that, sometimes comes with a, a sugared rim. Mm-hmm. What what does that do? Obviously, in most of those drinks, there's going to be some sort of sweet element. Absolutely. Is, is sugaring a rim, is it over-sweetening the drink, or does it add something? Boy, it can. Um, so yes to both of those. Uh, that's why a lot of times you'll only salt or sugar half a rim sometimes, and that will give the person that you're serving the option to make it sweeter or the option to not make it sweeter because they feel like it's too sweet. So um, if, you, if you're if you confused on how you might like it or not, just salt half the rim or, or sugar half the rim. So something like a sidecar, I'll just use a regular sugar, but you can really start to get um, fancy with your with your um, rims also. So um, I'm not a huge lemon drop fan, but I know that a lot of uh, God the ladies spouses are <laughs> or girlfriends. <laughs> um, so yeah, my spouse hates lemon drops, but my girlfriend loves them. Perfect. So uh, <laughs> yeah. what I'll do takes so, us right into our next. <laughs> <laughs> How to cover your tracks. <laughs> so I'll typically, you know, on a, on a lemon drop, uh, if, you've, if you've had things like a, like a, I know we spoke about the daiquiri last week and how if you get a frozen daiquiri, you're going to hate it. Uh, but if you've ever had a real daiquiri, and typically even if you order one from most bars, you're not going to like it as much. But things like a Cosmo, as ridiculous as it sounds, you can make that a pretty strong alcoholic drink that you enjoy. Uh, same thing with a lemon drop. If you're, if it's the middle of the afternoon and that's sometimes a beer time, maybe you can make your wife and yourself a lemon drop to start to start to get the uh, evening started. If sure. You will. So typically with a lemon drop, I'll do a couple ounces of vodka. Uh, any again on, on any of these drinks that are going to be alcohol heavy cocktails, skip the Smirnoff go for something like even Tito's is okay, but like a Tito's or a Stoli or a um, Kettle One or something that's a little bit higher end. You don't have to break the bank, um, but you you want something that is is not. Was there a rule last week? We said just no avoid plastic, plastic. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And if it, or if you if it was in the freezer of your friend's house, you don't want that either. You know, like just those. Okay, those that's a good point. So, and it's kind of a little bit off topic, but it, it brings up. So a lot of people will keep their liquor in their freezer. Yeah. It. I, I would you know imagine. why someone wouldn't want to do that. I would imagine that it's going to it's going to be so cold that it's going to affect the flavoring. Yes, but probably not the way you're thinking. Do you know why? I have no idea. So We're about to learn. So same same thing. Remember what I talked about. Whenever you're making, whenever you have a recipe for a cocktail, and the way that those recipes should be made are in preparation for including dilution of your ice and your mixing and stirring. So if you have a if you have a uh, vodka that is is near frozen and sitting there at 33 degrees that's been sitting in your freezer, 32 degrees that's been sitting in your freezer, it's not going to take the proper amount of dilution and melting when you're actually mixing and making your drink. 
so the ice will not melt as much. So you would have to modify that cocktail at that point to Good have, or it's going to be stronger, or it's going to be stronger actually. Interesting. So you'd want it. So if you want a stronger drink, you keep it in the fridge or freezer. Yeah. So so indirectly, that's what would happen. But but it's based on when you take it out, based on how much volume you have, based on how big of a cocktail you're making. You can control those types of variables significantly more with a shaker and a, or stirring than you could trying to calculate in your head because it's you're just winging it at that point based on what what volume of that particular cocktail because you're not going to be able to have a 15% herbal liqueur that's in right. the freezer that's going to freeze so now you're having to do your adjustments on the fly okay well now this one was made with two ounces so I guess I'll just use I don't know one and five eighth I mean you just pull it out of your out of your rear in terms of finding out what to so one thing is uh, if I asked you a question on we talked about batching uh, cocktails mm-hmm. uh, last week so when people batch make things they make them in advance in large quantities mm-hmm. for let's say parties or what have you when they're making them let's say the day before or something your first instinct is I need to put it in the fridge Right, and the the thing with that uh, that I'm hearing is well, well the, that's fine. So 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 not to interrupt you, but but that's okay for a for a batch make party because most likely you're not mixing it with ice as a batch make. So you wouldn't mix it with ice until it um, came out of the spout or the mixer. So perfect example, if I'm if I'm making just like a cranberry vodka batch drink and I'm putting cranberry juice vodka, so my cranberry juice is in the fridge a little bit of sweet and sour is in the fridge, and my vodka is in the freezer, and a little bit of uh, triple sec is in the freezer. Um, I can mix all of those with a bag of ice, you know, like a like bagged ice mm. in a Ziploc, and put all that in a big glass jug, and then whenever the person is serving themselves in a co- in a drink situation with like that, they're going to have ice right. in theirs. So it's going the dilution's going to already happen, it's, and it's based on how fast they're going to drink it. So right. they'll be able to dilute it based on their own pace at that point. Versus so, you pouring like trying to make something ahead of time and then just pouring in the glass and hoping that it's going to be cold enough. You're going to, you need to account for that dilution. Correct. Interesting. Correct. Very interesting. All the right. Science so, is fascinating. I know. And I, I never really thought about the fact that when people have that liquor in a freezer, it, it's kind of like when you have a, a cooler and you have, you know, beers or sodas that have been sitting in your garage and they're just burning hot you throw them in the cooler and then you throw ice over it that ice is going to melt at a pretty fast rate as opposed to taking the cans out of the refrigerator that ice is not going to melt near as fast it's the same basic concept as as that so uh, if you want your drink stronger uh, leave your liquor in the in the freezer so good little tip science i don't know the percentage that you need to be um, Can you make up one? <laughs> well, I, I know that uh, I know that the the uh, liquors like your Bailey's or Kahlua or your your um, liqueurs are typically around twenty percent, and those ones I know are only usually uh, are only good for three years once opened. Whereas something like a forty percent bourbon or higher vodka, whatever, will last indefinitely when opened, and that's because of the bacteria count. So. That I could help you with. The freezing, I can't. Uh, right I, now, everybody's thinking about the Baileys they've had in the pantry yes. for the last <laughs> yeah. okay, seven so years. I was, oh, trust that's me, what I, I am too. I'm like, 
Man, I well, probably need to go check the date. So I got I married in 2007. Yeah. We got a big <laughs> bottle of Bailey's What's then. weird is I always get the Rhea right after I make uh, <laughs> I have a theory on that. If, it's, if you don't, just like a lot of times I do this with simple syrup, is if you can't see mold, you should be, I mean, you're going to be fine. So typically mold will make it so a reason prevalent. they call it a mudslide? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that's that's horrible. Okay, Let's talk so about some appetizing drinks. So yeah, well, before we do that, there's there's a few different ways that we can serve a drink, mm-hmm. and even even drinks that people are familiar with, like in Manhattan, depending on which bar you go yeah. to, there's going to be different ways that you can get those served. So so talk to us about you know the different ways that you could order. Even if you go up and you order a whiskey, I want my whiskey, and then. What's the different ways? So, so even on a Manhattan, I get you. You're always asked, do you want it neat or, or up, or do you want it on the on the rocks? And I'm always thinking in my head, who the hell gets a Manhattan on the rocks? But a lot of people do. Uh, it's because they know what that means. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, they're like, easy yeah. on the rocks. Look, hun, I know what I'm talking about. So, uh, so for for me, uh, I typically prefer almost all of my cocktails neat in terms of ones that I'm uh, my craft cocktails that I'm making. Um, but you can typically get any cocktail in in a variety of ways. Margaritas, you're obviously always going to have on the rocks. Um, hopefully not frozen, but if you get it frozen, if you make it correctly, you could freeze it too. So I mean that's fine. Um, so you, you have daiquiris that could be frozen, daiquiris that could be on the rocks. Uh, but I also prefer daiquiris to be neat. Um, so there are many cocktails you can get either way. The exact thing that we talked about with the mixing is the exact thing with your um, cocktails. So if you have a giant um, cube of ice, it's going to not cool the drink as quickly, but it's also not going to, so it won't cool the drink as much, it it won't make as cold, but it also won't dilute the drink as much. If you have fine shaven ice that we've broken up in our Lewis bag, that's going to dilute it faster, but you're gonna have a significantly colder drink. So if you're drinking it fast, crush that bad boy up and drink it. If you're drinking it slow, maybe you want to, and you like it cold, you'll want a, want a big uh, uh, ice cube for that, for that scenario. But um, neat is going to be exactly the way mother nature intended. So, so neat is, um, is, is neat uh, cooled off or is it just like literally uh, you just pour the liquor in? You, so, so neat would be just without ice. So uh, How it's with, served. How right. it's served. Co- correct, correct. So, so take a, take a um, uh, we've talked about a Cosmo. A Cosmo, I'll typically put ice and water in my coupe glass prior to making it, or a, mar- or a martini glass is what I use for, for a, a Cosmo. Um, and I'll put ice and water in it, let that chill, or even leave that in the freezer if you want to, but I'll let that chill. Um, and then I'll, but I'll pour the Cosmo neat in there and then I'll put a fine shaving of ice on the top that melts almost by the time that it touches the lips. Okay. Um, but in a situation like that, that's going to be served neat, even though it should be a very cold cocktail. I'm serving a chilled glass. I'm serving a, I'm, I'm, um, shaking that drink to get a nice, uh, consistency and it's going to be very cold. And then when I'm serving it, so it's a cold liquid in a cold glass with the ice shavings on top, but it should not look like it has any ice in it whatsoever. Hmm. And therefore you don't have to worry about dilution either. Right. And so what does up mean? Uh, So same same thing. So typically up is going to be where it is. God, 
I want to say that that um, I, I might actually misspeak here, so so you might want to correct me, but I believe that up is neat with a cooling off process. Am I right on that? I don't, I don't know. know. We're, we about to, we're about to find <laughs> out. We're about to go to ask Jeeves. I don't Jeeves. know. I don't know. Moin, Let whatever that... happened to Jeeves, you know? Ask.com. <laughs> yeah, he, he got laid off. The best butler ever. So I, we'll, we'll it find... might just be the exact same thing. Up, up. I, I've always taken it as to be synonymous with neat, and I've never thought anything different because I've had Manhattan's up and I've had Manhattan's on the rocks, and that's it. Yeah. Okay. So and then on the rocks, obviously, if you don't know what on the rocks is. There's probably a, a problem. Okay, I got your, it in your life. Here we are. Okay. Is everybody listening? All, All right, one million it. listeners. All right. Neat is uh, something that's poured straight from the bottle into a glass, and it was never created with any ice, oh, cold okay. of any yep. kind. Up means it was created with ice, ah. but served neat. Okay. So in your scenario where you are doing a shake and drink with ice in it, um, you are you are not you're serving it up uh, but it is it is not neat so there we there we have the difference yeah so that that's a really good I, I mean I, I honestly that's what I, that's what I was thinking it was but I now was hoping, I, I was I hoping we we're gonna ask, have to ask old Jeeves old Jeeves knows he, he I think drinking is his problem with drinking is why he uh, fell off uh, fell off the what map drink there did Jeeves have on his tray I think it was, it it's looked a martini, like a, maybe right? it was a martini, I don't know. old Jeeves. Um, but that. okay, so you're going to be able to impress the bartender and your date or your wife or whoever. So in understanding the difference or between neat. Like a douchebag. Or, or Yes, <laughs> there is the risk of that. Uh, by understanding the difference between neat, up, and on the rocks. Is there any other ways that you can order? I mean, obviously frozen, but I wouldn't consider that as a part of this. No, I, I would say that... Um, there's a potential that if, of course, we're talking about home home cocktail making. So right. who really cares in terms of a bar? But you typically can um, talk about what type of ice you want. Okay. Yeah, you can you can make those customizations. Okay, so now I feel like we have a pretty good understanding of some of the, the some of the techniques uh, to get us to the recipe. Mm. And there are so many different resources out there for uh, finding recipes. Uh, there's lots of apps. There's lots of uh, websites and that sort of thing. What we're going to go over is in each uh, one of the um, kind of main Big categories. Five categories. Yes, we talked about last week. we're going to talk about kind of two, maybe three classic cocktails that you should know how to make without looking at a recipe. You should just know how to make them. So if you have a guest come over, more than likely, if you say, "I have whiskey," hey, would you like a Manhattan? That's going to be something that most guests are going to be familiar with. So let's jump straight into whiskey, which is probably my favorite of all the spirits. Um, so kind of go over a few different in, in some of the recipes and and nuances of, of each one of those. So for for whiskey drinks, I would say that a Man Manhattan's a perfect fall winter cocktail. Um, I think we discussed that. So I, I prefer my Manhattans because you're using a sweet vermouth in it. So you're typically two ounces of bourbon or a rye whiskey. And it doesn't necessarily have to be bourbon. Uh, it could be, you could use a Canadian if you wanted to. It's not my preference, but yeah, you could. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, so you could use a Canadian. You could use a Irish. You could use um, a 
Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is going to be very similar to bourbon, just usually a little bit um, crisper finish, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit bit um, of a sharper finish. Um, so uh, I typically use two ounces of bourbon. I'll use one ounce of sweet vermouth. That's the red vermouth that we talked mm-hmm. about last week. And I'll do two dashes of Angostura bitters, one of our cocktail, one of our uh, essential cocktails we talked about sure. last week. And then one dash of orange bitter. And then I will garnish it with a maraschino cherry. And in this one, of course, we would not shake. We would stir because it is all alcohol. No citrus, no dairy, no eggs, and no juice. Would you put an or, uh, orange peel on that or is it? I would not. Okay. No, I'd, I'd stick to the stick to the cherry. The oranges in Manhattans, I, am, I, I would not want. So one personally. interesting thing, as a way to remember the recipe... And, and this is going to blow your minds. So just be prepared. I'm two, ready. One, two, one. two, one, two, which is the <laughs> area code for Manhattan. Get out of my face. And that is the basic recipe. Two ounces can, of bourbon, one ounce. Can uh, I do a, a solid oh, public, public service here announcement? Here he goes. Here he goes. <laughs> he got to debunk. He's back to like, little did you know, Manhattan's right. area code changed. So being as, no, 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 I, that I don't know. Well, so, my whole identity, before you say this, my whole identity is wrapped about, around me knowing this, is this only one bit fact. Of, no, no, no. Of I'm going, research I'm he brought to, go, to this show. I'm about to go to tequila. So, so. Uh, do, do you not add a orange bitter whenever you do your your Manhattan's? Like I, I prefer it with a dash of. I don't. Bitter. I just use the Angostura. Okay, and that's fine. That's fine. So so uh, like we talked about last week, play around with bitters too. That that's definitely an option that you can try uh, to see if just a quick dash of that changes it enough to where you like it more mm-hmm. uh, or or don't like it as much. Uh, but what I was going to do, my public service announcement, because we're in Texas mm-hmm. and we have a robust Latino listening community. Here. Sure. Um, Margaritas, please God, if you do anything on margaritas, please, when we're talking about ratios, three, two, one is your ratio for margaritas. It is the simplest uh, margarita recipe you can make. Three parts lime juice, fresh lime juice. Everything we're going to talk about on these cocktails, uh, with the exception of things like cranberry juice, uh, stick to fresh ingredients if you can. Okay. Uh, fresh herbs, fresh juices. Don't buy that plastic bottled mess it's yeah. harsh well, it's bitter primarily what i use <laughs> <laughs> it's just not as good at I, all. not anymore now you're gonna up i your have game. to buy a stinking Ton. i know oh, yeah 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 all you need is a, all you need is a, a juice presser yeah uh, and your you birthday's coming up i'll get you a a, a presser it's in tr- two or three months so so, so three two one three, three parts <laughs> of lime two parts tequila one part cointreau triple sec if you want to do grand marnier for a cadillac or whatever uh, now, obviously, the reason that the, that 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 and that's your margarita. Period. Salt the rim. You don't need to put sugar in it. It's going to be strong as heck, but it's going to be very very tart with your with your lime juice. Um, but fresh lime juice. You're going to have a high quality tequila or mezcal, uh, and then you will have a Cointreau or Grand Marnier uh, base or even a triple sec. But I would I would up your game there as well because when again when we're talking about something like that. It's not like you're like you're making a drink that you can cover it up with a lot of stuff. All of your bad, cheap, crappy liquor is going to be full on display if you use bad, cheap, crappy <laughs> liquor in that drink. When you're using the plastic bottles, right? You'd never be able to tell. So back to whiskey. Okay, so public service announcement over. You can you can. Uh, so uh, I think what's cool about that is is think of yourself going to a night like there's 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 the Mexican food joints. You know, like what's the ponchos places you raise a flag if you need something? Yeah. Which 
we need to just make that the the norm everywhere. I don't know. Sure. Everybody didn't do that. Especially like going to like a nice Mexican restaurant. For sure. I know. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, go to a nice Mexican restaurant and see how they serve you a margarita um, on the rocks. And it's going to it's going to be in a smaller glass. It's going to be served like that, and you're going. What is the difference? And this is the difference that he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, don't use simple like or, or uh, sweet and sour. Uh, a pre-made sweet sour mix. If you're in a crunch and that's all you can do, whatever. Like it's better than nothing, but um, it is not nearly as fresh as as just lime juice. You, you, it is not a complicated drink whatsoever. Um, our other one would be obviously an old fashioned, and that one's a pretty easy one too. I don't know what the area code is. But it would be two uh, ounces of bourbon. After Johnny has a couple of them, it's nine one one. Two two ounces of uh, Angostura bitter, and then you'll just do like a bar. I'll do a bar spoon of simple syrup. The the technical recipe calls for a cube, just like most old recipes will call for a cube of sugar. But unless I have never had a good job uh, breaking the yeah, it's yeah. just always a mess. So uh, I always use simple syrup um, and then your orange peel for a garnish for that okay. one too. And again, like I mentioned earlier, you can put small twists in that um, if you want to substitute the simple syrup for a muddled orange or a muddled cherry or the combination of them or put a cherry on a, on a toothpick and use that as an additional garnish. That's completely acceptable as well. Okay. And then uh, we talked about the Sazerac. I yep. feel like that probably, would you agree that that is... Of the whiskey drinks, especially in this category of, of drink, that that's a pretty important one that people need to know how to make. Yeah, it's, again, being the oldest cocktail in America, and it's it's an impressive drink that most people you would be surprised have not had. Most guys have had old fashions, but most have not had a Sazerac, and that opens people's eyes up, I believe, to a rye whiskey. Um, so when you're using a rye with that, and I believe we talked about, we talked about the, uh, if you had, if you didn't hear I'm not going to give you the recipe on that. You'll have to go back to last oh, yeah. week's episode and see it if you missed it's that one. a big one. one. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a it's a rye cocktail, and then you'll also have an absinthe. And um, I'll talk a little bit about like like you can find other ways to to um, use absinthe as well. So, uh, are we going to go over gin? I assume. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, like a like on a French seventy five. Uh, I sometimes will put a couple drops of absinthe in that just to try it out. So a French 75, of course, if you don't know, um, a French 75 is going to be a gin, typically like an ounce of gin, not a, not a heavy gin drink, uh, which, which makes people nervous sometimes, but you'll use a sparkling wine or champagne, mm-hmm. three to four ounces of that, um, and then you're pretty much good. Uh, so um, I, I sometimes put simple syrup in it, or I usually will. Uh, and then you'll put some lemon juice in it, typically like a half an ounce of lemon juice, or, or you, that's typically about a quarter of a lemon, of a large lemon. So you'll squirt your lemon juice, you'll, and this, of course, you do not shake with it being a sparkling wine. Sure. But it's just all added to a, to a flute. You don't even need to necessarily stir this, or you can just give it a quick stir uh, in the champagne flute, but you'll use... And do you stir it before you put in, top it with the champagne? Correct, correct, okay. correct. Yeah, so so you'll make your, you'll put your one ounce of gin, you'll do your half an ounce of, of lemon juice, you'll do your half an ounce of simple syrup, and again, um, you can you can experiment here too. So that's your classic French 75, then you top it off with the champagne, typically three to four ounces. What are you serving in again? Uh, I, I'll use a coupe glass. Oh, Always the most you say the most glasses. feminine word ever. Flute. Flute. <laughs> flute. Or he, champagne He flute. said it three times, and I just can't stop <laughs> laughing. Uh, no, a French seventy-five is baller. If you want a, never had one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make one tonight. I have all the ingredients. Yep. And and 
when you're serving it because of I, I because it has kind of the bubbles and all that stuff it makes you feel like you're in a great Gatsby yeah, sure. sort of uh, soiree. It is, it is, and it is very refreshing. Uh, the the champagne or sparkling wine is fantastic. So, so my point to that was is is that now we have this bottle of absinthe that we got for a Sazerac that we're going to have for 17 years because we'll never use that much for just a rinse of a glass. So something like that, you can you can start mixing in with your French 75 if you like that type of type of flavor, or you can add like an herbal liqueur like a Chartreuse. Uh, to see yep. what that does to it. Just a couple drops, not not a lot, but just a little bit of a topper, almost instead of a bitter, using something like that. Uh, French 76, exact same thing, just with vodka. Uh, a French 77 is going to use St. Germain instead of gin or vodka. They um, really didn't get super creative with their names. No, <laughs> no. Well, it's just like a gin martini and vodka martini. So so okay. a lot of times those are interchangeable. So so they have a French 75, which is your classic, with the, which is gin, just like the martini is a classic cocktail with sure. gin. Uh, but then your modification is only the substitution of the liquor there. So now you've switched from a um, gin to a vodka, and now it's a vodka martini or a French 76. Uh, the difference, though, to go from a French 76 to a French 77 is now you're not using gin or vodka, but you're using St. Germain. Uh, which is just going to be like an elderflower um, liqueur, liqueur. Um, and you rem- and in that case you also remove the simple syrup. Sure, it'd so be really sweet. Got the sweetness of the liqueur. Yeah. Right, so you have half an ounce of lemon, your two ounce, your one ounce of uh, the Saint Germain, and then you top it off with your, and that's a much easier cocktail. Uh, to touch on that, now I have this bottle of Saint Germain. What the heck am I going to do with this? Uh, for mimosas, it is phenomenal to mix in with your mimosas. So if you're typically doing a, you're making your wife mimosas and she's having, you know, I mean, women love mimosas. And if you're doing the mimosa right, you know, you fill it up all the way with champagne or, or sparkling wine and just the enough juice. to make it look orange, you know, orange juice. <laughs> wow, but but to, add, to add a little bit of St. Germain in that allows you to not use as much orange juice also. So mixing a little bit of St. Germain in there with it. Is really, we'll add really that good. sweetness. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's it's excellent. So so just because you get these obscure bottles sometimes for a particular drink, you can mix them in with other cocktails, and it works phenomenally. Okay, so let's jump over to we kind of talked a little bit about vodka. What are a few different classic vodka drinks that people need should know how to make? Uh, vodka rocks. That's a really easy one. <laughs> Just vodka <laughs> over ice. Yeah. We also call that the alcohol. Because <laughs> yeah. vodka has zero taste. Perfect for uh, 6 a.m. in the morning. Vod- vodka cranberry, also very complicated. <laughs> Screwdrivers, yeah. extremely complicated. So, well, again, you know, I personally don't love vodka. No, I want to taste the. I want to taste the liquor. Yeah. Which I, maybe I that like does vodka. Maybe. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Yeah, so so it, it, that's typically why there are differences in, uh, and that's why there's many drinks that are like a French 75, 76, and a martini that are immediate substitutes, and you're just substituting one clear alcohol for another one. So and essentially, you're going what, what's vodka. the difference? If you, were to, if you were to highlight the primary difference between vodka and gin, I understand that gin, vodka, essentially, it's... You, Flavorless. It's, it, yeah, and it's pulled from every single spirit, right? Correct. It's just... It's not barreled, Correct. right? Um, but the biggest difference, if you were to say, oh, difference between vodka and gin taste-wise is? It's the herbal presence. So you have to have a lot. You're, you're, to be a gin, it has to be the primary scent has to be juniper and lavender. So yeah, you have and to that's have generally people are like, they, they think that it's like a it's tart be a flower. taste or something like that. Or they're like, what is yeah. that? But 
but you start to uh, appreciate. It's kind of like the first time you had a beer, and you're yep. like, this tastes horrible, and then you start loving beer. Yeah. You you add add a little bit of Saint Germain in a in a uh, mimosa for your wife or significant other, and all of a sudden you're gonna be like, okay, well that's also a floral essence or an herbal essence. So why yeah. wouldn't you try gin? Like, and, and there's the start opening the door. Yeah, yeah. gins are gins are very very different. So so a, a uh, uh, yeah a French seventy five is, is a really good way to introduce somebody into a gin because it you get a lot of sweetness with the um, uh, lemon juice and champagne and it it hides a lot of that. It, it gives it the the perfect amount of floral. So. We, we kind of jumped around, and it, I think it's easy, kind of like you said, you substitute a clear spirit for a clear spirit. Um, martinis are obviously something, t- two things about martinis, in my opinion. One, it, it's, it's a drink that everyone probably should know how to make in some regard. And two, I would say that a lot of people are very particular about oh, yeah. how they like their martini, whether it's with vodka or with gin whether they want it dirty or, or not dirty, or how twist. dirty do you want it, or with a twist. Mm-hmm. So kind of go into, may, maybe into the world of martinis, what some of those mean. So, okay, <laughs> so mar- martinis are, are a fascinating drink. The original martini, the original ratio should be three to one. Three parts vodka or gin, originally gin, and one part dry vermouth, that's the white vermouth. Some people hate vermouth. <laughs> so if you're one of those people who hate vermouth, adjust that ratio really quick. I don't like the three to one ratio. I usually do two to two and a half ounces of vodka and about three quarter of an ounce of, um, of the, the vermouth. Okay. Uh, if you're not a vermouth fan, you can just, just like you do on a Sazerac, you just coat the glass and dump. So you can coat the glass and dump. Uh, vermouth, by the way, is good for three months uh, since we're expiration date experts here. Yeah. Uh, on May Intelligence, uh, the the three it's a three month expiration date. So mark your bottle, throw it in the fridge. Uh, that's how long your your um, drink's going to be good. I think my dry, uh, dry vermouth has already gone through as a company like three different logo changes <laughs> since I bought it like 15 years ago. And mine is sitting in my my uh, liquor cabinet, not in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's once you've opened it. It's good for three months. Okay. But do you need to keep it refrigerated or not? No. Oh, okay. well, once you open it, yes. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> yeah. Check for more. Do mold. you guys keep your? Do you keep yours? We do now. Yeah. yeah yep. Now. Well. We didn't used to. Oh, sweet, great. Sweet vermouth is a little bit harder to find the mold, but at least it's dry vermouth, so you should be okay. So, so Perfect. yeah, I would throw that out. It's it's cheap. Get yourself another bottle. But yeah, the uh, the dry vermouth, and you'll and again, you you want it to be fresh. That's like saying, I got a bottle of wine that I'm gonna drink, and it's eight it's months been old, out or six right. years right. old. Like who wants that? Yeah. You know, or or uh, sh- or your sparkling. So buy wine. small bottles is basically what you're saying. I mean, if you're not gonna use a ton of dry vermouth. Correct. Don't buy, like, the bottle I have, I think, has wheels on it. It yeah. is so big. I, all I'm thinking about is the what drinks in the last week and a half that I've made. That has, that's okay. I'm still alive. Okay, so so three to one. Play with that ratio, however, whatever suits your taste and whatever you prefer. Okay. Um, it's always going to be stirred. Uh, I would start out, if, you're, if you've never had a martini, go ahead and start out with vodka. Then move your way into gin. See which one you like better. Or if you're already a gin guy, try, try the gin. Um, you can also mix it up and try a uh, bitters on occasion. Uh, so, so I typically would prefer a. And I'm not a big martini fan, but I, I drink them. 
Um, but I prefer my martinis with a twist. I do not like olives whatsoever. Hate the taste. Hate hate the taste of olives. So I am not a dirty martini guy. Uh, so that's where again you you adjust it. Now the again the original recipe is going to be three to one with three olives, um, but that's where your your uh, personal preference comes in. So okay. I'm usually a two and a half ounce to three quarter ounce, and um, then I get a twist with it. I always do a lemon twist. Okay. Uh, I'll sometimes put a a orange bitter, uh, just a splash of orange bitter in it as well. Okay. Um, so yeah. So typically, if you're going to do any any bitter, you're going to want it to be like an aromatic one. Okay. Uh, and and just to clarify, dirty Fruit. is not just throwing a, uh, an olive in there. It's olive juice. It's olive juice. So when you, <laughs> like my wife um, really likes a dirty martini. And it for her, it, it could be, you know, like all, half a jar of olive juice and it, it's still not briny enough. But... If you've never had a dirty martini, it's it's can be a little unnerving. I mean, you're gonna get it if you order it because you think it sounds cool. It, it's it's like drinking and, pickle juice and in, almost. If you get a dirty martini, here's our other secret: don't use the top shelf alcohol. Yeah, because you're, not yeah. Gonna be able to you're it. all you're gonna have is uh, brining or the olive mm-hmm. brine juice, and right. you just got Belvedere and wasted all your right. money. Right. That's when you can use the plastic bottles. <laughs> I don't know. Bingo. Even you want I don't know. So do you want to know why? <laughs> yes, I don't want to take us off here, but do you want to know why three olives, not just two or one? No. You, I mean, I, you know I, I, I don't you know. don't know why? You tell me. It's, uh, it's luck. The area so, code of... I know. Of some other ridiculous city. <laughs> of Martini, Kansas. So, uh, so it's considered luck. Each each olive is is health, wealth, happiness, and you need uh, success is having all three of those. So if you just have health and happiness without wealth, I guess that's bad, but that'd be okay by me. <laughs> or uh, So health, wealth, happiness, it's a good luck thing. So that's why it's three. It's an old school thing. Goes back to super interesting. It, whenever knows. you're serving those, and you can make you can a toast, and you can say you've got three it's, olives. It's essentially it's a luck thing. Yeah. All right. So uh, another couple of uh, a vodka, uh, or another one that I think is pretty uh, popular is a Cosmo. Okay. So my. Do you like them? I do like Cosmos. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. How yeah. can you not like a Cosmo? So well, it, it, I'll tell you how you can not like a Cosmo. <laughs> Okay, here you go. Same guy that hates olives. (laughs) If you've gone to a restaurant or a bar and you've ordered a Cosmo, you might hate a Cosmo. If you've gone to Mexico and you order a Cosmo, you're probably going to hate a Cosmo. Right. Cosmos are typically made with very cheap alcohol. It's very girly, if we're allowed to say that. Because it's pink. But see, this is... Well, hang on, hang on. Okay, thank you, because I have a problem with that. I'm talking about the people who order them, just like we were talking about daiquiris last week. So typically, someone who gets a Cosmo is going to be your Sex in the City type person. Oh, I want a Cosmo, right? Um, However, unless you... uh, I would not order a Cosmo just out in public, uh, unless I knew the bartender or knew that they had a skill set. Because a Cosmo should be a... Very alcohol heavy drink. Yeah. What it's become is a very heavy in sugar and juice drink with. And you can normally tell based on how pale the. If it's a deep red, then you just basically paid for a glass of cranberry cranberry juice. juice. So it should be uh, that the nicer the restaurant, 
the 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 more pale pink it is, and it'll have a little bit because it has some lime juice in it. Right. Uh, so it has a little bit more of like a, a tartness, but it can be very refreshing. But they're dangerous because it should be super okay. So it should be very heavy in alcohol. I I actually will do. So you always want to use a citron vodka. Do not use an unflavored vodka for that. That's where the danger comes from. Now you're having a flavored vodka. Um, don't get a Smirnoff uh, Citron. Go ahead and get a Stoli Citron or a, a higher-end Citron vodka. Stoli's, Stoli's probably my go-to. I, I love love Stolineski. If I have to go for, just for you guys out there, if you're throwing a party, uh, Sobieski is another um, Russian vodka that's a much cheaper uh, uh, vodka, but it's really good for a $10 a bottle, $15 a bottle, large, uh, where where you can, you know, pay 25 bucks for a handle. Um, So that's a, that's a really good one if you're going to be mixing with a, with a large party. But for a, a Cosmo, I'll go two and a half ounces of vodka. I'll go an ounce of Cointreau. And this again is where I don't skip it. So, so a Cosmo, because it's very heavy alcohol, the only juice that you should have in there is half an ounce of lime juice and one ounce of cranberry juice, Mm -hmm. one ounce of cranberry juice. And no simple syrup. Yeah. So cranberry juice and uh, so an ounce and a, a half an ounce of lime juice. And then from there, the rest of it is 40% alcohol drinks. So you're having one and a half ounces of juices and three and a half ounces of alcohol. So this should set you down pretty, pretty well. So I go two and a half ounces of, of citron vodka down. and one ounce of Cointreau. And because, again, it's a, it's a alcohol heavy drink, don't go on the cheap triple sec. Don't get your $7 bottle ask. of triple sec. Yeah. Step that one up to a Cointreau. Um, I usually don't use Grand Marnier ever for a, for a uh, I'd much rather have a stronger orange liqueur for a Cosmo. Okay. But that's that's typically what I do, and then I garnish it with a uh, orange peel. All right. Let's do a little bit of gin. So we already talked. Ooh, okay. Quick, I don't I don't rim that either. I know you talked about doing a sugar rim on a Cosmo. I do not. Okay. So if you like things sweeter, I would serve if you if if you think that people would like it sweet, serve it with a half rim. I think that's a great piece of yeah, advice. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, because I think you still get the presentation. If people think it looks cool, right? Uh, you still get that presentation, and somebody doesn't have Boy, to. How cool does it look that if you have half of it done? Though? That almost looks even cooler. I, I totally <laughs> yeah. agree. How do you so, even do half? Well, you just do half. It's pretty simple because the salt, the sugar has to stick. And you have to, to put some lime juice. It. Yeah, you either rub it with a lime or lemon or uh, orange in this case, but whatever would make put it, it on a put it on a plate and then just try to get half of it on there. Correct. That'd be kind of difficult, right? No, no, no. No. Okay, I look like an idiot around yeah. here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's just like anything. Like, <laughs> I feel like, like it's kind of difficult, you, but either way. So so think about how you would do a mar. So let's do it. Real would you simple. do you do sugar or salt on half of the plate then and press the whole cup down? You yes. Okay. Or just that's kind of what I was thinking. Roll it. Or you could roll it. Now, now there if, we go. If, that's what I was looking for. Never mind. Let's move on. That makes way more sense. Move on to the next one. I see how you if guys you think. If you roll of... it and you get it past that half mark, you can easily just take a little cloth and, while it's upside down, clean the edge of the part that you want to un- be undone. I prefer to, make to a clean lick line. it off and then serve it to it. That's true. It's a power <laughs> move. It's a power, it's a power move. move. Well, while we're talking about uh, about rims, just to also add this to it, so so I know we had mentioned a lemon drop earlier, and if your your wife or significant other uh, like lemon drops. Um, like instead of just doing a sugar rim on that, zest a little bit of lemon, mix that in with your sugar, and then you'll have a lemon zest with sugar. That uh, is next rim. level. And that's going to be a it's a beautiful presentation because you have the white sugar with the yellow uh, lemon zest around it too. It's a it's a really sexy looking drink. That is a great, great. idea. 
Okay, so jumping into gin, we've already talked about the French 75. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we touched on the martini, and there's a lot of great gin. Gin is a great liquor. Um, one of the ones uh, that, that I feel like you hear a lot of is a Negroni. Yeah, sure. So talk to super us about old drink. yeah, super old drink. So talk to us about kind of the classic Negroni. The easiest of drinks to make. It's a one one one. It is one part gin, one part sweet vermouth, and one part Campari, and that is um, just Campari. another little liqueur. Uh, it's, it's a it's a little liqueur, and it has a kind of want to say like a I might get this completely wrong. I want to say it has like a salamander or something on it. If I or no, it's like a little. I don't know some little red, red and uh, black little. But it's a liqueur. It's a low alcohol content. Exactly. Kind of a sweet, almost like an aperitif. Yeah, I I, I like Negronis. Um, try it. Try, try it with an Italian dish. Don't, don't just try it on its own. Try it with an Italian dish. Try to get like we talked about last week. Try right. to get thematic, and make it for an Italian dish. Um, not a ton of uses for Campari, but you can find other uses too. Literally, you could just Google Campari recipes and you can find a couple things to mix it with. Um, yeah. So we're not going to get too much into jumping over to Kila. We talked about the 3-2-1 recipe yeah, that's all you need, with, uh, with that. Obviously, with tequila, it's great with a um, like Topo Chico and lime or something like can, that. Can, can I can I throw uh, another quick little thing about yeah. gin? No. Um, <laughs> any any gin recipe with honey is extremely good as well. Uh, typically, add like there's a lot of um, grapefruit in gin recipes. There are a lot of um, um, there's a lot of recipes with with gin that that you can. Um, add honey to and it is they're phenomenal honey is a is a secret weapon in the in your arsenal to avoid using simple syrup and getting a completely different flavor yeah it has a has a totally different a lot flavor. of different a lot of southern drinks you can make with honey that, huh. that really really do well with gin that pair extremely well with gin okay and, and kind of rounding that out um the last big one is and we've touched a little bit on daiquiris let's talk about rum yeah, and and I don't think that it's like worth Rumpelstiltskin? it. Rumpelstiltskin? Uh I don't think it's worth it to the way go you into make a dark. Is. Yeah, I don't think it's. You don't have to go. We don't have to go into the dark, and the white rums or anything like that. Because now you're branching off the same way you would with whiskeys. But what are maybe two classic rum drinks that you can have that are not just like super heavy sugar, you know, sitting by well, the beach or so something I like that. I talked about our one last week about the dark and stormy, and that's my go-to. I mean, if you if you don't have a bottle of uh, – if you like gin, if you don't like ginger ale, ignore the next 30 seconds. But if you like ginger ale or ginger beer, um, the dark and stormy, you, you need a bottle of um, Gosling's Black Seal Rum. That's the only one that I'll use, uh, and it is – you fill it up. I mean, you want to talk about a, a just as easy as opening up a cold beer after you mow the lawn type drink. A dark and stormy is it, and you feel a little bit classier. So you can. What do you serve that in? A tall glass, just a Collins glass. Okay. Yeah. So so you but you could literally even if you don't have a Collins glass, just use glass at your house. I mean it's it, you don't have to get too fancy, but it, but you should it should be transparent where you can see it because the entire purpose of dark and stormy is um, it's this old story of the uh, sailor was at this uh, port of call and he was at the bar and they poured the uh, Gosling's black. Uh, seal rum, just a couple ounces of it, or an ounce and a half, just on top of the the ginger beer that he was drinking. That's all the ingredient is: an ounce and a half of, or two ounces of of Gosling's Black Seal rum on top of a glass of ice with with ginger ale. 
and the guy says, oh, it looks like storm clouds, dark and stormy storm clouds, something along those lines. Interesting. I might be completely wrong you know what on area that code story. He's in. I believe, yeah, <laughs> what's, what's up, Bermuda? Bermuda. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it was, uh, uh, so it looks, it, it's a really cool looking drink. Yeah. And that's one that you don't even mix because that's kind of the presentation. So, right. so to go kind of full circle, we've talked about presentation and how important certain things are and how some things help with flavor and some things are for appearance and yada, yada. Well, that's a perfect example of I just made a drink that is ginger beer and rum. I don't even mix it properly because the appearance is better than yeah. what the what the mixing would, would give it. Yeah. So it's a very fine balance in this craft cocktail game of flavor is not everything. So and then a daiquiri, um, I think on the last episode we went Two, over. Two, one, one and a half. Two ounces of light rum, one ounce of uh, lime juice, half an ounce of simple syrup is typically yeah. used. Uh, and daiquiris are fantastic. Could I put out a, a has has anyone heard of a Hemingway daiquiri? Read. No. This no. will be right up your alley. Negative. Hit me. Okay, so so a Hemingway daiquiri is very similar. It's basically the exact same thing as a, as a daiquiri. I use a little bit more um, lime juice, um, but I also put in more alcohol, of course. Because Ernest Hemingway? Correct, correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you go. He, he enjoyed himself a few stiff so, drinks. So it's, it, this is actually, surprisingly, and I, I, don't know, I don't know why it's called a, a Hemingway daiquiri. I believe it's, it's a Cuban drink. Um, did Ernest Hemingway spend some time in Cuba? I, I think sure so. Jeez Isn't that where know, Old Man in the Sea did. was written? Correct, correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay, so it's a Cuban drink. And uh, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Johnny's raising the, uh, the roof over here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you you kind of keep you keep it the same with rum, uh, but you up the the lime juice a little bit. So instead of an ounce of lime juice, you'll go an ounce and a half. You'll drop the simple syrup down because we're going to add a different ingredient to bring some sweetness into it. So you only do a quarter of an ounce of simple syrup. But then from that, um, you add maraschino liquor. So just like we talked about the maraschino cherries, which are the bright red cherries, this is not a cherry tasting drink. Uh, it's not a cherry tasting liquor. No, I'll use half an ounce of this. It's much more woody and earthy and herbal flavored than sweet and cherry like. So, uh, like is that so- like grenadine? Is that what is what is maraschino liqueur? It's, it's a maraschino liqueur. It's a maraschino liqueur, but Luxardo is the original uh, uh, liqueur of that. Um, not like a like a cherry, but, but again, so you think about those cherries and they're really sweet. Right. But this liqueur is not. It is it is much more wo- woody and earthy tasting. Hmm. Uh, it's not as. Sweet I wonder how many people bought it, it thinking that yeah. it was yeah. like, ooh, this will be nice this and like sweet. Just the juice. Yes, you get like home the and they're like, ah, it's like a pine tree. I have, I have <laughs> grenadine. I have grenadine. Yeah, uh, totally, syrup. that would be super sweet. That's that what you so don't sweet. want. Okay, yes. so. so Okay, so good. yeah, that's that's when you get into way too sweet territory. Oh my god, could you imagine a half an ounce of grenadine? And yeah, anything? oh my gosh, it's so, it's, it overtakes. Okay, so so that that is your t- that is your traditional Hemingway. Now what I do is so again uh, just to recap, if anyone's writing this down, we go two ounces of lime juice, we go an ounce and a half of uh, I'm sorry, two ounces of, of light rum, one and a half ounces of lime juice, quarter ounce of um, simple syrup half an ounce of maraschino liquor but where i do a twist on it is i add cointreau and that's why i cut down on the simple syrup so i add half an ounce of cointreau to bring in the orange flavor and i cut back on the simple syrup cointreau is pretty sweet even though it's a high li- uh, liquor content it's still pretty sweet and syrupy yep. tasting right um so that is how i will make it and if you have that tonight you guys will be loving life it's a that's delicious, what I want. yeah delicious i don't drink. have uh, i don't have the uh the the 
grenadine, or not the grenadine, the Maraschino, the, the Maraschino liqueur. Maraschino liqueur so but you know who does? The liquor store. Ooh, they do. Oh, hey, d- d- uh, sorry, I, I did forget. Um, Apology for, not accepted. <laughs> for, for a Hemingway, um, you do need to put grapefruit juice in it as well. So typically about an ounce of grapefruit juice. Okay. So it's it's going to be a Served darker, a, it's going to have a nice pink flavor to it's it. It's got a lot of fluids. It's yeah, so it's got to be in a Collins glass, right? Uh, I, so I'll make it for two. <laughs> and I'll usually just drink them both, but I'll I'll serve, still serve them in a coupe class. Okay. I prefer really. Yeah. So so just make them for you and the misses. So that all this that you said, I was about to say, so that's a lot of God. What liquid. is a coupe class? Six ounces? Yeah, it's, it's not. It's very not big. a whole lot. So so, it, so you're making that that two one whatever the deals. That's correct. all for two two servings. C- correct. Okay, correct. Plus yep. plus plus your dilution factor. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. That, that's again. That's going to be a drink that we what shake or stir. Well, that it has, is it has you guys shakes. should know now. It's shake. Absolutely. We got the, the stare. Grape, we got grape, grape juice. Grapefruit alone Steak. is what's going to put it into, into the See shape. how much smarter we are after this? So man, Yeah, daiquiris were shaking. Um, the French 75 were not. Cosmos were shaking. Lemon drops were shaking. Martinis were stirring. Uh, old Fashions were stirring. And Manhattans were stirring. So my rule, so we Sad talked about it earlier, but just the rule of thumb in my head is if it's cloudy, it's shaken. If it's, if it's transparent... Uh, then it's then it's stirred, but I like the whole the yeah fruit, the official the, is the, yeah right f- yeah, fruit. yeah which so, is so smart. Uh, so something else to to add to the shake if you make because I know we talked about pisco sours last week typically if you're gonna ever add an egg product to a cocktail always add it at the end shake your drink first then add the egg into the shaker and then give it a light shake otherwise it gets way too frothy to the point of almost undrinkable now a lot of places will shake it up with it. I always add it after so that it's a, a light fluffiness. For our listening community, uh, he gave the shaking symbol several times, and it just made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I feel like we um, have covered a ton in this episode. Honestly, this is probably could have been two episodes. Yeah, last week could have been two. This I know. is fascinating. It I could really go on about is. this for hours. And hopefully, uh, to our listeners, this has been something that you've been able to uh Listen to, write down a couple ideas, maybe a couple different ingredients. Uh, honestly, if you do this, you will be set up to make really, really high quality cocktails that you'd pay so much money for at a restaurant. You're going to be able to make it at home. You're going to be able to try different things out. You're going to be able to order like a king when you do go to a restaurant because you're going to know exactly what you're ordering. So I, I want to uh, thank Andy Solomon. You are a wealth of knowledge, my friend. We uh, could and not health and happiness and health and all three the, of them. Three olives. Uh, we could not uh, uh, tell you thanks enough. Uh, and uh, you've been a just a like I said a wealth of information. Uh, and we want to thank you guys for listening. And uh, and uh, make sure and follow us uh, as we as we continue to uh, send out content. So uh, thanks for listening to the Man Intelligent Podcast. This is the show for guys and all about guys, where we will continue to give you the tools and resources to become the man you've always wanted to be. This is Johnny and Reed signing off and reminding you to be man intelligent. <laughs>